Welcome back to another episode of AC Talks. This is Todd, your host. We're still <laughs> we're still doing the uh, athletic training, athletic training student guide. This is our second attempt because I messed up the recording on the first time. Um, we're with Rob, Paul, Tony, Ed, and Capital A. This is episode six or seven. Today we'll be talking about professionalism, hosting, and the medical timeout. So go ahead. It's funny, if you look up the definition of professionalism, it basically says the competence or skill expected of a professional. What the hell does that mean? Yeah, so we all kind of come up with our own definition of professionalism. Kind of the way I see it is, how, how do you represent the profession that you work in? I, I, I like it. This is a challenging topic for me um, because some of it is... You know, again, I agree with um, Paul in regards to representing the profession, um, but sometimes, you know, uh, with the with the majority, uh, people can kind of put you in a box on what they think, you know, the realism should look like, and uh, that not everybody always fits in that box. So sometimes this is a little challenging for me, uh, but at the end of the day, you know, for me, it is understanding the culture of the profession. You know, it's understanding the, uh, the population that you're going to be caring for and treating for and making sure that, yes, you do represent yourself in a way that people do acknowledge you as a healthcare provider. People know that you're coming to provide them high quality athletic healthcare service. Uh, but sometimes I'm always a little concerned that, you know, with professionalism, you know, a, a majority will make it feel like you need to look, sound, dress and present yourself a certain way. Uh, and that's always not the case. Um, so uh, I think it's a, it's, it's a challenging topic to discuss. Uh, and at the end of the day, I just always express to operate with wisdom. Again, understanding the culture that you're working in, the population that you're serving. And again, making sure that you are truly putting yourself in a position that you're acknowledged as a care provider. I'll add, as we already know, you know, each one of us is going to have some great insight on what we believe that the word means. I agree with Paul, you know, and, and it's simple, right? Um, when you think about how we use that word, I think that's, that's what can be, um, uh, I don't want to say misleading, but that's, that's what can be, that's what can cause differences. I'll put it that way. Um, to me, professionalism is, is, is how you handle yourself in situations. Um, we already know, you know, a lot of times you don't want to rock the boat, but at the same time, if you don't create change, sometimes things don't happen, right? And it can be a tight rope sometimes um, being that person to want to create change and want to do things the right way and, you know, still having tact, I'll use that word, when doing so. And it's, it's real funny when we're having this conversation. <clears throat> I actually had a situation not recently, I'll say it that way. I had a situation recently where my professionalism was challenged a little bit, to be honest. And in, in any situation, my thoughts are to always treat people the way I want to be treated, right? And then sometimes you can't help but to say, look, this is how it is. You know, this is how it is. This is how it's going to be. Um, you know, when you feel someone is is coming at you a certain way, you got to let them know. Like, that's not needed. You know, and some would argue that that's not professional or not. But 
you know, I go back and say, well, when I tried to be tactful and, and I attempted to come at you in a, a more subtle way, it didn't work. So now, yeah, you know, sometimes you have to pull rank or sometimes you have to, you know, be more stern than, than others. And sometimes you have to raise your voice. And, and some people don't see that as, as professional, but I think it is because sometimes that needs to be done. You just have to know how and when to do it. And if it's provoking change or making sure you get things right or making sure the communication is all together, then I feel like it's warranted, you know, but, you know, and it is a slippery slope sometimes and you, you have to understand when to use that and when not to, but at all times be the person you want others to be to you. I think that that kind of, for me, solves it a little bit. Yeah. Um, for me, the concept of professionalism is, is confusing because the way I was brought up through a program, um, I like the definition you, you gave us, Paul, because being a professionalism should be about can you perform your job and represent the profession well? But when I was an undergrad, like when we'd get our, our end of clinical evaluations, the professionalism is appearance. And I remember um, seeing athletic trainers from other institutions or other students and, and you, you hear the comments, um, wow, they don't look really professional or oh, tattoos aren't professional and um, you're judging them based on how they look, but they could be a very solid athletic trainer, which, I mean, if they're certified and they've gone through a program and everything, you know, they are, they, they are solid um, as a professional. So um, I'm trying to get out of that now because being a preceptor myself, I have had those conversations with, with students who have had arm sleeves and be and be like hey those might be things you might have to cover up because employers may not like that or like your hair might be too long because that's how it was ingrained but now I'm to the point where I'm dropping all that I don't I personally don't mind tattoos I don't mind people having long hair where before it used to bother me because that was the message that was um, passed on to me in my education so I think the focus on professionalism ha has always kind of been directed in the wrong um, direction um, and we kind of need to bring it back towards actually being athletic trainers and not looking like athletic trainers because <laughs> who's thinking what athletic trainers look like, like Tony was saying. See, and I like what you bring up, Ed, you know, uh, again, a lot of times there has been focused on the look. And like I said, for me, I don't know if there's a true right or wrong, but for example, if I was working in the clinical setting and I was working for maybe a more older population, conservative perspective population, like I said, I may, you know, want to have a long hair, you know, I may want to have tattoos and so forth, but also do need to be. I also do need to be aware of who I, what community I'm serving as well, you know, and, and respect the culture that I'm serving, you know, and, and be mindful, right? Because at the end of the day, if you're trying to serve this community, you want to be received with this community. And regardless of, you know, I should be able to wear what I want, look how I want and still people, people treat me, you know, appropriately. That's a fair statement, but this is still the real world. So I'll mm -hmm. operate with wisdom, right? 
because there is no right or wrong. I think you should be able to have tattoos if that's what you truly want to have. If you want to, you know, have your hair colored and presented in a certain way, that's fine. I get it. At the same time, I think we all need to be aware and operate with wisdom on what community we're serving, right? In the sports world, there is a little bit more, I think, openness. There is a little bit more, you know, uh, acceptance and, and, and differences because in the culture world, teams, you bring so many different people with so many different backgrounds, religious beliefs, characters, and so forth, that in order to actually have a successful team, a coach has to be able to bring those differences together and compel them. And I think when it comes to sports medicine, you know, and working in those uh, settings, uh, there is a little bit more flexibility. We need to be open to that. But at the same time, if you are working in a very conservative clinical setting, just know that there's going to be challenges if you want to embark exactly who you are. You may meet some bumps in a row, and it may not be your employer. It may be the patient who just doesn't like how you're presenting yourself. I think um, my thoughts go along with a lot of the things that Ed has said and, and some of the things that Tony just mentioned um, in the way, you know, professional, professionalism has something to do with dress. Um, but my overall definition and, and the thing I strive for to be a true professional is that my hope is that people will look at me, uh, you know, see me walk on the court or the field or whatever. Um, I, I work in a secondary school setting, so I'm on a lot of different venues and, and people will see me walk in the room or walk in my athletic training facility and know that I'm the one that's in charge before I even open my mouth. You know, that, that, that could be the way I dress, could be the way I carry myself, could be the way I interact with people around me. So professionalism for me is not just how I appear to other people, it's that the whole really the whole package of, of how I present myself, how I interact with uh, patients and uh, supervisors. Um, and and to, to share a little bit of a personal story, recently that kind of came back to uh, illustrate how well, maybe even too well, that my definition had been working for me personally. Um, I was sitting down in a meeting with uh, one of my supervisors, the athletic director, and um, they asked me a question about um, about my status and my, my contract. And they said, are you, you know, in your contract, are you the head athletic trainer? And I said, I, I really don't know. You know, I, I work with one other secondary school athletic trainer in our, our high school. And um, for all I know, we are equals. I don't have, we don't have special titles or anything. Uh, you know, it's just the two of us. So there's no really head and assistant. Um, but um, they, they kind of referenced that, um, you know, you, let's uh, say we had a question and uh, someone came to ask the other athletic trainer, my, my partner in the athletic training facility, um, and another person suggested, well, make sure you run that by Andrea first because she's the head. And it's nowhere in my contract, as far as I know. Uh, we don't have any official titles on our door or anything, um, but I believe it's probably because of the way I have conducted myself, you know, being proactive and reaching out to be part of the healthcare team within the entire school uh, that kind of set me apart a little bit. Um, and and the, the assumption was made that, oh, you know, this is, this is, uh, she must be the head because she, this is what she does or this is how she conducts herself. It was really kind of a, a cool moment, kind of humbling. Um, but that's, the, there really is now, I don't have many rules about dress or about, you know, tattoos and hair or whatever. Um, it's more about 
the image I want to project to everyone that, that makes me a professional? When I started this, I started with a really simple uh, definition to get the conversation rolling. But to take it a little deeper, um, to be a professional, you really need to be self-aware, uh, self-aware of how you appear and self-aware of what your knowledge, strengths, and weaknesses are. So when it comes to appearance that, that Ed and Tony were first start talking about, you know, when it comes to tattoos and dress, if I got a big neck tattoo of a naked lady and I'm working with eighth graders, that's probably not appropriate. If I'm working in, in the WWE or mixed martial arts, who cares? Not a big deal. So being where you are and what you look like, there's a lot of self-awareness there. You know, there, there are a lot of people that I say need better friends. When people try on an outfit, you often ask your friends, hey, does this look all right? And how many people go, yeah. You know, <clears throat> there, there are certain outfits that don't look good on certain people. There are certain people that can wear blue jeans and a button-down shirt and look professional. There are others that can't, and you have to know what you look like. If you don't look like good in blue jeans and a button-down shirt, you shouldn't be wearing it as a professional. If you do, great. So there, there's, there's perception as well as self-awareness. And that goes back even to what Rob was saying in your communication skills. And if you have a bunch of fancy tools in your room, because you look really cool and really professional, but you don't know how to use them, how professional are you? So all of that um, self-awareness and self-knowledge and understanding your strengths and weaknesses, they all go hand in hand in how you represent the profession. And over time. Go, go ahead, Rob. No, no, go ahead, Tom. Go ahead. I was going to say, and, and over time, your your own definition of professionalism and, and what you like and what you don't like will change. When I was a student, it was, you know, polo, dress pants, I'm the medical provider, don't care about your life, what's going on with that knee, all right, get out of here, don't leave your backpacks in the room. But now it's like, hey, how's your life? Uh, what's going on? Yeah, you can move that backpack in here. Oh, yeah, I got food over there. There's some oranges. Go take one, brother. And you just change, and that's that's okay. Yeah, and, and Paul hit it on the head. I, I, again, like I said earlier, we're all going to say, you know, the exact things because of the experiences we all have, right? But one of the things that Paul said that struck me the most is if it is perception. It's how people view you. You know what I mean? Um, I'm not a huge khaki person, right? I just... I, know, I, <laughs> I just never. <laughs> let me just say this. Before, let me interrupt you, Rob. Khaki is a color, not a style. I know. Okay. That's what I've said too, and I'm like, and that's the thing. I'm not a huge khaki person. I'll wear my Dockers, right? I'll wear mm -hmm. my slacks, my dress pants. I like blues, blacks, and grays. I don't like khaki. Now, every once in a while, because I do have them, I might throw them on, but that's just me. But like Ed was saying, it, it was ingrained in us coming through the process. I remember when I, when I worked with the Falcons, we had four pair of khaki shorts, the same brand, the same color, the same, and that's what you wore, right? When you're, when you're in athletic training rooms. Then we had our cotton shorts that we wore out to practices and, and outside. Out, but Two, one, welcome back to episode six episode seven part two my computer exploded on the first one but AC talks are still doing the athletic training athletic training student guy we're talking about uh, professional hosting medical timeout part one is professionalism part two is going to be the medical timeout and the hosting 
Uh, so I'm just going to start with hosting. Um, when I'm on the road, I expect the, the home AT to do everything that I would do, which is to come introduce themselves, tell me where their emergency equipment is, and what the plan is if something happens. You know, when you're talking about hosting, Tom, I mean, we shouldn't even have to talk about professionalism or being an AT in general. Like you should, that should just be home decency, right? When you, when people come over to your house, you know, there should be a, a level of hospitality that should bleed into our profession, right? And making sure that when people come over, you know, they're blessed in various ways, uh, servicing them, making sure their needs are met and provide them a great experience when they come to your house that should bleed into our profession, right? I shouldn't have to have a athletic training one-on-one class about how to host, right? So, you know, I really think it's important that as we're raising up our students, you know, as preceptors or high school, you know, that we're teaching them, you know, what it means to provide great hospitality. So I agree with you, Tom. I mean, when people come, I love, I mean, I love hosting. I love providing the ATs a great experience. I love making sure that they are blessed. I love making sure that they are comforted and knowing what our protocols are, uh, knowing how we can help them in emergency situations and just building relationships and connecting and wanting to, you know, stay in uh, connection as we continue to move forward and maybe play each other again in some way, uh, some down, uh, sometime down the line in whatever season we're in. Again, it goes back to what Rob was saying earlier. It's about treating people the way you want to be treated. You know, it's, it's, it's along with where's the emergency equipment, how we get in the hold of 911, how we get in the EMS here, how we get now, all that kind of stuff. I put a couple of Gatorades, Cokes, Diet Cokes in the injury ice, along with a baggie full of little candies to get through the night. You know, all those little nuances are, are just makes the night a little better when you sit and chat, <clears throat> not only about the emergency medical stuff, but uh, like I think I think Andrea said something earlier about you know the young professionals are burning out. How are they relieving their stress? Well, that, that 15 minutes before the game time is a good time to relieve some stress and communicate. And how do you do this? And how do you deal with that coach? And how do you deal with this? You know, those 15 minutes are more are, are extremely important for a young professional for more than just the emergency stuff. And uh, I think Tony mentioned a good point there just a minute ago about you're going to see some of these people again, you're going to see some of these athletic trainers again, you know, because they're, they're probably the ones in your conference or the, the ones that your school has a contract for playing with for year after year after year. And if you set a good example, if you set a good standard of this is, you know, when you come to my school, this is how I'm going to treat you. They're going to want to come back to your school. And then when your athletes are at their venue and maybe for some reason, unfortunately, you're not able to travel there, you've got other things going on at home and say one of your athletes gets hurt at their uh, college, their school, or whatever, that athletic trainer, that host athletic trainer, is a lot more likely to communicate all of the vital information that you're going to need to treat that athlete. You know, if you, um, <clears throat> if you host somebody and you kind of rub them the wrong way, and then later on your uh, athletes go back to their venue for another away game, you know, you might not get any information on potential injuries, and that, that could slow treatment. But if you're um, if, if the other athletic trainer remembers, well, hey, that, that athletic trainer from Atia was really kind of helpful and they were really nice. So, you know, I'm going to make sure they know the whole story on this injury so that they can uh, treat this athlete, you know, properly when they get back. That's, that just kind of perpetuate, you know, you set that good standard from the start and you get a lot of good returns in the future. 
So first off, Paul, you 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 said you said something that I'm gonna start doing now. Actually, you know, I I, I never I, I do give, you know, we we get great hospitality, right? But dude, throwing a coke or a sprite in the box, mm-hmm. I mean that that's that's a big deal. Now we used to do that when I was an undergrad. We actually did that, right? Here here's the catch on my side though. A lot of the athletic trainers from the other institutions, they know me and my staff and they know how well we try to take care of the student athletes so they don't travel, <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's the thing, it's, it's kind of like a catch-22. It's like when you're, when you're being a great host and they see things look well and, and it's ran well and you're professional, it's like, hey, they'll be okay going without me to that place. So I'm gonna stay home, cover these practices or I'm going to go to this other school where sometimes they don't get treated that well. You know what I mean? And it, it is what it is, you know, but that is something that we were taught in, in my program. We, we were taught to do medical timeouts before each game. We were taught to make sure you communicate if you're not going to travel and this is what you're saying. If you don't, this is what you're saying to all the, the visiting teams. We send out visiting letters still to this day. Even though I know every athletic trainer in, in my conference, the beginning of every season, they get that visiting um, letter. And, you know, we don't, I don't do a snail mail anymore, but they get the email, you know. And being the, the head AT for the conference, what I tell them is just communicate. If you don't have a letter, that's fine. Just send an email, you know, just communicate. But hosting is, is a big deal, though, you know. I found that a lot of these students that come from the other institutions, again, I just told you they don't travel ATs. They may talk to me more than they talk to the AT back home because we sit there, we talk to them, we try to figure out what they need. We're hand, we're we're handcuffed on a lot of different things that we can do for them because we don't work in their state and we technically can't treat them as an athletic trainer. We're first responder, but you know that stuff shows. And when you treat them well they respond well, you know, um, it, it's sad. Sometimes they'll tell you that, you know, I like coming to your guys place cause y'all do a good job and not, you know, we don't really like our people to travel with us anyways. And, and that's sad. Yeah. That's sad. You never want to hear that. And, and as, and as much as, you know, it hurts me to hear them say that I'm like, you know, sit down and talk with them and talk to your AD and try to figure out what you guys can do to get someone to travel with y'all, you know, because it, it's needed. And, and again, that's part of, in my eyes, that's part of being professional. You know, I try to travel with everyone we can. If we can't, you know, me and Tony, we talk, y'all know, we talk about care versus coverage all the time. And right now with three people, um, I'm trying to be creative. And it's such a layer of coverage right now that I feel like I'm lacking some professionalism because I can't offer the care like I've, I have in the past, you know? I know I got a little bit off tangent, but my point is, you know, it, it's a big deal and it goes a long way. And appreciate that, Paul. I'm, I'm going to start doing that for, for when someone does travel with that team. That, that's, that's a huge deal. And getting back to the timeout, I actually have, I actually hold three timeouts. I do a timeout to start the night with my athletic director, the game manager, uh, football, we had our SRO there, and our SRO calls for 911 because if a police officer calls for an ambulance, it gets there quicker than if I'm on 911. So our SRO calls for 911. So I do my hand signal. I, I have hand signals. So if I need my uh, my doctor, I tap my head because the doctor's ahead of the program. If I need AMS, I tap my shoulders. And if I need the AED, I tap my heart. 
Okay. So my SRO, he and every before every game, he walks up and he goes, "You need the ambulance, right?" I said, "You got it." But I want to make sure that the gates are going to be opened and all that kind of stuff with my um, DSA, my athletic director, before I go talk with the other teams and the officials. The officials are always the last one out, so it's a matter of convenience making sure I meet all those people and and share what our hand signals are. How are we going to get nine one one here? What's our route out and, and all of that kind of information. I, I asked the YP one time that they have hand signals and they had no clue what I was talking about. Uh, <laughs> I, medical timeouts, uh, you know, it's interesting to hear that you have three. I definitely would like to talk to you on the side, you know, I mean, to get a better grasp of that. I typically do one medical timeout. I usually just like um, uh, Ed expressed earlier, I usually send a visiting team letter out uh, that Monday coming into the week. Um, if I don't get any response by email, you know, I just take it upon myself to reach out via phone call just to make sure, is there anything that you need? Did you see the letter? Is there any way that we can accommodate? Right. Cause I just want to make sure, you know, all needs are met. And, uh, when they, and, and also in the email, I let them know, you know, I, I want to meet 30 minutes before the game. And cause at the high school level, that's usually pretty uh, good timing for uh, most athletic trainers is 30 minutes before the game. So my medical timeout involves our police officer, because just like uh, Paul stated, you know, uh, our police officer, uh, or if, if, if we don't have EMTs there, uh, for example, maybe we sent the truck off because of already emergency situation. Our police officer is actually our secondary uh, person to activate EMS. When our EMTs are there, uh, our EMTs are the ones that assist with activate EMS. But again, I want to make sure people know that, right? Uh, I want to make sure people know how many medical professionals we have out here on the sideline. ETs, do we have any PTs, PAs, orthopedics, EMTs? You know, I want to make sure. And then also, what equipment do we have out here? You know, um, you know, I want to make sure everybody knows that we have airway management. We, we have a spine board. We are spine boarding because I know some states don't use spine boards, right? So just making sure. We take off equipment. I want to let you know that if you have been training at your school to take off football equipment. I want you to know that my staff is also well-trained and we can assist you, okay? You let me know if you want to move forward with our protocol, but if it's your athlete, I will be there to assist with the evaluation and I'll let you determine how you want to treat. If you say, hey, Tony, I would like to move forward with your protocol and then we're going to help, you know, take care of your athlete. But I want, you know, the visiting teams to know that we're here. Uh, to be able to provide the best care possible, not just for my student athletes, but for them. My medical timeouts, I provide them information on all the, uh, you know, the trauma centers. I provide all the contact information for the trauma centers. And I want them to know, even if they send a kid off, that the parents have a connection to where their kid is going. So whether they have the address so they can follow along or they're able to call if they get caught up in traffic, because, you know, I, we're in Metro Atlanta. So they might not be able to, you know, navigate with the EMTs as efficiently. So I just want them to always have that and everybody be comfortable that they have all the information that they would need been on the road, just as the same as they would be if they were at home. And uh, those are just some different, you know, aspects of our medical timeout that I try to address. And, and that, that should be the standard. Mm -hmm. If you're not doing that, you need to do it now. And if you're only doing that for football, I would advise you to do that for basketball and volleyball and softball and baseball and all, all the sports. Go up to referees, tell them who you are, tell them where your stuff is. Go up to the away coaches, tell them who you are, tell them where the stuff is. 
You know, if the coach goes, yeah, whatever, we don't care anyway, that's fine. But still go up there, do it, have those conversations. I think uh, it just occurred to me one of the most important times to have a medical timeout, um, and I've, I've faced it a lot personally, is if you are uh, just starting out as a young professional and doing a lot of PRN coverage. If you are um, working through a company or, or you're uh, an independent contractor that you, you've uh, never met these people in person before, they've never seen your face, maybe the coach doesn't even know who's coming, the team doesn't even know who's coming, did they just talk to a coordinator that said, hey, we'll get an athletic trainer out there. That's, that has got to be one of the first things you do when you show up. You know, you scan the venue if you're not familiar with it, and then you go and talk to people. You make sure people know that you are there um, because if something happens, they're going to start looking around for, well, do we have an athletic trainer? I don't know who they are. I don't know what they look like. Uh, I, you know, somebody's dad is a doctor in the stands. Maybe we can talk to them. But no, you have been hired to provide medical services for this event, even if it's just PRN. Even if you're never going to see these people again, you know, because they're not your uh, team or the, the ones that you're responsible for every day, you know, in your everyday job, it's just as important to have that timeout that everybody um, in a position of authority knows who you are, where you are, what supplies you have, you know, if, if something happens and they're expecting a spine board and you just walked up with your med kit, um, they've got to know ahead of time um, of what you have, what you might not have. Um, and, and most importantly, that you are the, the medical provider for that, um, you know, so there's no other confusion. So I, I want to apologize because I'm going to go back about 10 minutes to something Rob said um, about schools that travel without their athletic trainer and the communication from the traveling institution. Um, in the rare occurrences where I haven't traveled, I have, I, I always will communicate with the other school's athletic trainer, but I also try and communicate with my athletes because in it with, with schools coming to us and we've had some of our teams take advantage of the whole school. Like a few years ago, we had a school come and travel with us. Their athletic trainer said three guys on their team need to be taped. Um, and my coworker taped 22 ankles. And, and, and every kid made it sound like, yeah, they tape my ankles every day. And my coworkers just like, whatever, your supplies. And so after the game, she was frustrated, sent them an email. And that school's athletic trainer was not happy at all and apologized. And it's like, it's not your fault. So I, whenever I send my, my communications, I said, hey, this is all I do. I said, for some reason, and I, I will say my, my women's basketball team, traditionally, they, they love taking over athletic training rooms in terms of heating. And, and when I'm there, they don't do that. So I say, hey, look, my team is known to do this. Feel free to kick them out. <laughs> they need but, but that's good information. That's really good information if it's not something they do at home and they don't need it. Right. Yeah. So, and, and we've dealt with that as well. Just like you said, th there's been schools that they'll send a list over and they say they need three people taken care of. And then they get there and it's 13. Well, what I've done since that, I've said, well, I need a list and I need their names. And when they <laughs> get there, give me your name. I read the list. I see what you need and I check it off. And as bad <laughs> as this is, and I hate doing it, but we got to protect our own people. Right. If they're not on the list, we don't touch them. Well, then, what, you know we, what happens? They go grab their cell phone, they call the athletic trainer, and then they say, hey, 
can you go ahead and do that for me? And then I say, well, they weren't on my list 24, 48 hours ago. What and we I do to prevent what we do to prevent that is we have 25 school system. We all have the same medical record system. So I can go into the medical record system and see who do the other schools athletic trainer, who did he treat that day? If yeah. you aren't on that list, and then I call the athletic trainer and I say, Hey, I got Joey here who wants his ankle taped. Oh yeah. He got hurt yesterday. I forgot about it. And then on top of that, we have pink cards that we fill out that goes with the athlete. So the athlete should come up to me and say, Hey, my athletic trainer said to see you and I need to get my ankle taped. Okay. It's right there. Good. Hop up on the table. Here we go. Um, if they don't have that pink card, then I go in the computer record. If it's not in there, then I call the athletic trainer. And if it's, if they're like, Oh yeah, I forgot. I'm putting them through a functional test. They don't have it in their records. I don't know what's safe for them to do. So I'm putting them through a functional test and I'm working them out. They're tired before the game starts. Let me tell you that. And then I'll tape them. So Paul, so you guys, and I know it's getting a little bit off the hand. No, actually it, it goes hand in hand. Mm -hmm. So you guys share that system or mm -hmm. all you guys working for the same company? We're all in the same school system. We're all hired by the school yeah. system. Because I was, I was going to say, what about HIPAA? And you're looking at a kid from another school. But if y'all in the same system, then y'all can work together anyways. And actually, that wouldn't be a HIPAA issue. That would be a FERPA issue. True. True. But yes, we, we work uh, Fairfax County Public Schools. That's 25 high schools. Each school has one full-time athletic trainer and one uh, stipend athletic trainer that's part-time. So yeah, we all use the same record-keeping. That's the way to do it. Well, the way we'd do it would be to have five or six full-time athletic trainers on staff. And, <laughs> and I've been, I've been fighting for to make our second athletic trainer full-time and to even look at more because uh, we've all had this conversation, yeah. um, care versus coverage. And yeah. like you said, sometimes I'm feeling like crap because I'm really providing coverage. It's not true care. And, and it hurts as a professional. That's true. Really does. But all, it all ties into being professional, the, the communication, the appearance. Uh, and one of the things that I think Rob said earlier, um, when you have that visiting athlete, again, going back to the appearance, you never know who's, who's watching you. And, and I, share this, I think I've shared this uh, story in the Zoom, and you never know who's coming in your door. Uh, there was a time I yelled at the superintendent's wife. Her daughter was a cheerleader. And I was doing concussion baselines on impact. And um, she looked over her shoulder and said, what do you already have a concussion? I said, well, what do you mean? And she said, well, I got kicked in the head Wednesday. Now this is Monday. I got kicked in the head Wednesday and I've had a headache since. And, okay, I'm going to set you up on an injury evaluation, not a, not a uh, what should we call it? Don't leave when you're done. We'll review your test. Well, she left. Three days later, she sat in the doorway with mom. I said, where'd you go? I told you not to leave. Mom says, oh, she didn't know. I said, oh, crap, she didn't know. I talked about it in the team meeting. I talked about it in the athlete meeting. I told her what to do. And I talked about it in the parent meeting. So you should have known. Uh, I, I didn't go to the parent meeting. But that would have helped us, wouldn't it have? Now, what's your name? She gave me the name and I went, oh, shoot. Please don't be the same. Please don't be the same. And it was the same. Yeah, so, but, yeah. but, but you're still right, though. Yeah. You're not it, wrong. And the funny thing is, both parents, the superintendent and mom, were at every basketball game. They sat right next to me and gave me a fifty dollars gift, gift certificate to Starbucks at the end of the season. Because they appreciate the passion you show. Yes. So you you, you might have got a couple emails, but they were probably pats on the backs. Like, yeah. 
hey, thanks yeah. for treating my kid just like you would any other, just exactly. like you would your own. So, and, and just to continue to try to stay on topic a little bit, one of the things I want to emphasize is, um, you know, this medical timeout hosting is just based off of being intentional and communicating with people. Yeah. Like we, we, we always talk about how that's a important skill to have, but you know, for some reason people put that on the back burner. So I just strongly in- emphasize for you, for UIPs or anybody who's not doing medical timeouts or who maybe look at this video and say, man, maybe I need to do a better job of hosting. Well, you know, for a professionalism, for a professional, being a good communicator is important for all of us, whether it's communicating with parents, coaches, other ATs, other stakeholders, communication. And, and y'all have to understand. So I don't know why this mark has been missed so much within our profession and why there's so different levels in regards to what we believe is a standard, but we have to look out for one another as well. Like we have to, if we, if we're truly saying that we care for our athletes and we truly say that we're looking out for the safety of our athletes, but we're not communicating to the other ATs, then I'm going to be honest. I have to question, you know, how much you really care. True statement. Mm-hmm. And, and I've heard AT saying, I just don't have time. I, I, I'm busy. I'm running around like a chicken with my head cut off before the games. And, and I'm running out right before the start of the game. Well, it kind of goes back to Tom and, and, and that AT that drives you nuts that just comes out and says, hey, I'm Paul and, and good luck tonight. That's where it starts. If you can get that in, well, then in the next, next time it's a two to three minute conversation and it's a five minute conversation. Then it's a 15 minute conversation. But at least at least introduce yourself. And if you get that and then build from that, you get a start. Yeah. And I feel like the athletic trainers that do that, it's, it's not the time it's the priority is not there. Yes. So for me, like I love hosting and football is my big sport for hosting. That's, I know there's always going to be an athletic trainer. There's always a lot of moving pieces on game day where my hosting preparations start Monday (laughs) for a Saturday game. Um, football's the only sport where if it's a one o'clock game, I'm in at six 37 in the morning, um, setting stuff up. Um, I, I've said it before. It's been kind of my therapy, the kind of catch my breath, run things through my head, but it makes it so I don't have to rush around and do stuff when the other team shows up because I'll be taking care of my team. And I'm lucky we have an athlete, we have an education program where I'll have students, um, that are able to do some of the pregame duties. Um, so as soon as I see the buses pull up in front of the gym, I shoot out to the lobby and I'm waiting for their athletic trainer to come in. Um, we're also really lucky we have two facilities. So we give them one athletic training room and I will help bring their stuff in, show them where everything is. And um, at that point, I'm communicating with their coaches as well because they'll always ask like, hey, we're so-and-so. I said, well, our athletic training room is this way. And some of the coaches have been there for a while and played against us. So they know exactly where everything is already. And so for the new teams, I will walk with a coach um, as well. Uh, if, if an athlete of theirs looks lost, I will say, looking for the, are you looking for so-and-so? Yes. Okay. Follow me. I'll bring you to them. And then that person tells their teammates and it, I don't know that just that interaction with, other people like I yes I love my athletes but interacting with other schools is just it's fun just because it's like I don't know these people 
And who knows, maybe they'll say, I think I'm pretty cool. Not that I'm looking for their approval or trying to be cool, but I want them to have a good, good memory from when they came to play us. Hopefully not because they beat us, but. <laughs> well, this actually, actually, this kind of goes into more of the professionalism, but you're creating a network. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> you don't know which one of those athletic trainers are coming to visit you. Maybe your next mentor or your next mentee. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you're planning on your career being there at Caspin and young professionals, if you're at that high school out by yourself and you get tired of it, well, those people know where the other jobs are. And when you go to say, hey, you, I, heard, I heard that school next to you is open. You know anybody there? Oh yeah, I know the AD there. He used to be here with us. Well, you did a good job hosting and they like that. That's a good word of mouth going to that AD. You did a crap job and you were nowhere and they had a kid to get hurt and they had to call 911 and they, the, the scene went bad. You ain't getting that other job. So, so all that network kind of goes hand in hand with those medical timeouts and that professionalism and your appearance and, and that communication skills, they all go together. Not, not only, one, one second, Rob, sorry. One, not only are you setting that tone and the standard and making that network, but now you're, you're, that's value. You're adding so much value because we, my region, we play a lot of schools that don't have an athletic trainer. So when those coaches and those athletes see that and they see what you're doing for them and the care that's available and what an athletic trainer can do, they go, Hey, maybe we should get one of those. We need right. an athletic trainer. Right. So you're adding value. And then, Ed, I also want to say, you talked about priority in the person that says they're too busy. And it, it's also time management. Because everything you spoke of, what you did was you managing your time. You said you start on Monday, right? And speaking from a person that got that wear a lot of hats <laughs> and, <laughs> and time management is essential, I still take care of those things I need to take care of because one, they're very important to me. Two, they all are my priorities. But three, I manage my time so I can get it taken care of. You know, and and yeah, sometimes you have to start four days in advance if you want to get it done right. You know, you mm-hmm. send that letter. You you follow up the email that they're going to send back to you if you need to. You let your coaching staff or whoever you need to let know about times for treatments and set up times and everything you got to do. Your Saturday starts on Monday. But if you didn't know you had to do that and then Saturday comes and you're scrambling, right? Like, it's going to be a pile of crap. And and that's the thing, it's sometimes I think they do in their mind like it's very important and it's their priority, but they plan to fail or they fail to plan. And we know how that goes, you plan to fail. (laughs) But if they don't plan it accurately, then yeah, it's going to turn into crap. And then they're going to look like crap. And that's why they're still making the the Gatorade before the game starts. So that's why they can't come speak to you. (laughs) That's why they... You know, because you're, you're, you're in your athletic training spot wherever they gave you. You're over there taping and getting your guys ready. That's the time they're supposed to come talk to you and let you know, here's this, here's that. But they can't do that. They're still setting the bench up because they didn't do it before because they didn't want to show up a few hours before. So yeah. time management ties into that as well. And then we go back to what Tony said earlier. It's professionalism. It's what you have to do to get the things you need to take care of taken care of. That's being yeah. a professional. Yeah. And what, what, what I found interesting when I first was certified 
working football on my own. If I wasn't greeted by the athletic trainer, I felt slighted mm-hmm. and was very, was very close minded, not, not realizing the circumstances because my first year at Castleton, we played in five straight homecoming games. Well, homecoming weekends, terrible. So, so like now I'm to the point where I've, I know every school, I know exactly where to go on my own. I can drive there by myself. I can unload, I can set up. And so if someone, if someone doesn't greet me or a lot of times I like to sneak up on them sometimes be like, Hey, I'm here. Oh man, sorry. No, you're fine. I see you have a homecoming lacrosse game right before a home football game. <laughs> like you have to turn that turf around less than an hour. <laughs> and so like, I don't mind that now. Um, so it's just funny how that kind of evolved. Like if I'm not greeted, it's not the end of the world. Exactly. If I don't greet someone, it's the end of the world. But, yep. but I will say, I do feel slighted still to this, to this day. Because how hard is it to send that email like you and Tony and, and Rob and everybody does Monday before? And in that email, you say, hey, just so you know, I might get caught up because we have lacrosse at the same time football starting. Mm-hmm. So if I'm not there to meet you right before the game, I will get to you when, as soon as I can, but I will greet you. And, the, you know, five minutes into the game to run around the field and come over and say, hey, sorry, I didn't get to see. I had a lacrosse game. I'm Paul. Um, EMS is at the end of the stadium. Give me, here's a radio. Call me if you need me. That took 30 in. seconds, but it still happened. Yeah. Time management. Here's a little fun thing I do. Uh, I've been at my school for three years, and I know, I know a lot of the referees. I know a lot of the coaches. I know a lot of the away players. I'm still going to go up there and be like, hey, I'm Tom. I'm still here. There's the AD. Here's the emergency stuff. If you need anything, I'm going to take care of it. I'm right at the edge of the bench, or I'm next to the scorekeeper. I'm on the 50-yard line. I'm still going to do that. This is my 21st year, and I'm still doing that. Right. Yeah. Right. And I, and I will say, you know, um, you young YPs, man, learn what it means to lead by example. Mm-hmm. We got a lot of people on this call. Well, we're expressing based off our experience. We're expressing based off our standards, you know, and our expertise. But... Sorry, I'm. Uh, you're muted. You're muted, Tony. Sorry, I was outside. A motorcycle just ran by. But um, uh, biggest thing I was just trying to express is leading by example, taking this information, understanding if you aren't meeting these standards, these professional standards, and you think it is of value, which a lot of us on here, we do value a lot of these standards. If you believe it's of value as well, start implementing it, raising the bar being intentional. Like I am very intentional about my medical timeouts. I really am. I I really want to make sure everybody's involved. I really want to make sure when I execute them, I do it in a manner that, you know, is very uh, impressionable on them that compels them that they would like to move forward with that. Uh, Again, like Tom said, whether it's football games, I do it at our basketball events. If their ATs don't come, I have so many coaches like, wow, I've never had an AT come to me. And I do that intentional, intentional. I try to travel when I can. And when I travel, I go over, I introduce myself. I make it a point. I have conversations about things. I have conversations about things that I value for this profession. Again, I'm constantly trying to be a salt. I'm constantly trying to be a light. I'm constantly trying to lead that hopefully that may pass along to someone else. And then they continue to try to operate with those same standards. Sooner or later, hopefully every AT is traveling. 
sooner or later when I do travel to another school, I am uh, uh, receiving, you know, um, you know, invitation and uh, being able to listen in on someone's medical, someone else's medical timeout. But I had 12 football games this season. And I've only been a part of two visiting team medical timeouts. And there were two teams where I never met the athletic trainer. And for me, I think that's poor. Um, so, but when I get the chance, I will lead by example without even telling you that I'm trying to be, you know, a standard that I believe you should be following as well. A little quick extra in there that just uh, kind of occurred to me, especially Tom in your situation, um, the schools that don't have athletic trainers around there, that medical timeout, even if you don't encounter another athletic trainer on the opposite team, can be used as a point of education. Um, you know, that some of those administrators might, I mean, it's Northwest Indiana, so I really hope they know what athletic trainers are, but in some more rural settings, they might not know what an athletic trainer is. And you say, hey, I'm the athletic trainer. This is my name. This is what I can provide. Boom, you just educated somebody else about what the profession of athletic training is um, and, and just kind of spread that knowledge so that you don't have to come back and say, I'm an athletic trainer, I'm a medical professional, I'm not a personal trainer or strength coach or whatever other, you know, misnomers that people say about well, us. You're just, you're just streamlining the medical response. You know, when you have an emergency thing happen, you got to go. There's no time to think you got to go out there and do it and you got to be trained, you got to be practiced, you got to communicate. So when you're the away AT and the homeschool doesn't have an AT, you have to go out there and say, hey, I'm a medical provider. If something happens, this is what we're going to do. But if you don't do that, something happens, then everyone's like, who are you? Who are you? Who are you? Who are you? And it's just terrible. But we're going to get kicked out any second. I want to say happy birthday to Allie and happy birthday to Shanika. Uh, Nikki, thanks for joining us. And everybody have a great Sunday. Do we want to do a part three or are we good? I think we're good. Good luck, Rick. Go Chiefs. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> good seeing y'all.